0: Well, hey, we're gonna continue in our series called Marked By. And today we're talking about the fruit of faithfulness. And I'm excited for you today because you get to hear from a guy who embodies that word. He's been here serving at Northridge Church for almost as long as I've been alive. 32 years of faithfulness. And you know what? When our church needs wisdom, he's one of the first guys we run to. His name is Pastor Dave. Come on out here and welcome Dave to North. Come on. Woo. All right. All right, thanks. Go ahead. Yeah, have a seat. Okay. That's a good thing to do. You're, look, you're looking a little tired. And uh, when you're as old as I am, you're, you're tired more often than not. But I'm, I'm humbled. Thanks, Drew, for your kind words. Um, maybe a month or so ago, I think what happened is the teaching team realized <clears throat> there were five Sundays in August and they were short a speaker. And um, they said, oh, we, we have faithfulness. And they said, there's an old guy walking down the hall that happened to be me. And they said, yeah, I think he just started on Social Security. You should, you should connect with him. He's been here forever. And before I knew it, I was saying yes. And I'm like, what was I doing? And, um, but yeah, God's been good. I, I did have hair when I started here. And uh, that, was, that was a long time ago. And uh, I... Drew's words were kind, and I'm humbled by that, but I have been benit—I have benefited by the faithfulness around me of the family at Northridge Church for all these years, and I can only be forever grateful for what God has done through many of you into my life, my wife's life, my kids, and we are very, very, very thankful. Just about three years ago, it'll be three years this September, I had just finished uh, uh, a graveside speaking at a graveside service, a very very small uh, cemetery on, right on the edge of a lake in Connecticut, right about where they 're getting the hurricane today, and um, I went to sit down because now it was a part for the the military honors for the the veteran and so the marines came forward, they went to the casket, and they took the flag off, and they began to fold it and perhaps most of us have been at one of those ceremonies where they carefully fold that they 've been trained, and they 're left with just the triangle of the stars, and the one Marine then steps over and knelt down and presents it to the woman next to me, and he says these words, on behalf of the President of the United States, the United States Marine Corps, and a grateful nation, please accept this flag as a symbol of our appreciation for your loved one's honorable and faithful service. The Marine then handed the carefully folded flag to my mom. My dad had served faithfully in the Korean conflict as a Marine. And uh, three years ago, it was it was time for him to, to leave this life and went home to be with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as the kid of a Marine, often my brother and I heard Semper Fi, always faithful. My dad stayed connected with his Marine Corps family and especially the last couple decades of his lives as they all reconnected with the internet and everything else, and museums and things that they would travel to, but they related to each other because they understood that they lived their life for a calling much higher than themselves, and they were willing to sacrifice and often pay the price for our freedom with their own lives, and they knew they were called to do that. They loved our country. They loved each other, and they knew what it was like. It it had become part of their DNA to live out Semper Fi. Always faithful. So when we come to Galatians chapter 5, where we've been for the last five or six weeks or so, the fruit of the Spirit, we realize that faithfulness is one of the fruits of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. And I'd like to begin by just simply defining faithfulness today for a little bit, and then let's see how faithfulness is modeled. Through scripture and how it applies to our lives today as, as followers of Christ. Faithfulness is firmly adhering to someone or something that demands one's fidelity. It demands one's fidelity. And it's there in that word, semperfi, always faithful, always faithful. And it's a word that comes up often faith or faithfulness. It depends how it's translated in the New Testament 47 times, 95 times in the Old Testament, and you're reading in, in your Bible. And faithfulness is a quality that God wants to reproduce in me, in us, through the salvation that comes in Christ. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, ultimately God changes our hearts and our lives and turns us around. We walk by the Spirit and we can live out the fruit of the Spirit. And faithfulness is one of those. And I love this idea, this concept of faithfulness, which I think is really rooted in, in the meaning of that word, that it's, it's faithfulness that's consistent with truth or actuality. It's a faithful reproduction of the original portrait. Yeah, as I said earlier, I'm a little bit on the old side. So I'm still like one of those guys, my wife and I, if we go on vacation, we like travel with cash. There's probably a few of you that still do that. You know, I learned that from my dad. I remember my, my dad would, would divide up his cash with my mom, so in case one of them got robbed, someone would have cash. So that's a great, it's a good, you know, you're always planning, I guess, if you're a Marine. So I've, my wife and I do that. I give her a couple hundred dollar bills, a couple fifties, some twenties. Okay, you have some, I have some, depending on how far we're going for a week, whatever. And it's, you know, it's the Dave Ramsey way too, because you part with cash a little slower than you do with a swipe of the card. And so that's free financial advice today. There's no charge. There's no charge for that. So if you've got trouble with your budget, try the cash thing. And some of you're like haven't carried cash for like 10 years, and you've got this thing called Venmo or something like that, but. <clears throat> yeah, they, my, my kids and my banker just started getting me to use the ATM machine. You can actually deposit checks there. It's pretty cool. The tellers don't have to put up with me anymore. And I found out they got a bonus for training me how to use the ATM machine not too long ago. But we would come back from vacation, and my wife doesn't like this when I do this to her. So there's, sometimes there's, left, there's money left in the envelope. And she'd be like, oh, aren't there any 20s? They're just 50s or 100s. I go, they, they take those at Wegmans. She goes, yeah, but they turn the light on when you come through, and then you have to wait for a manager, and they have to hold it up to make sure it's not counterfeit. I, I think it's actually cool when, I, when it happens to me, and my wife thinks it's very annoying and very embarrassing, so she always wants smaller bills, but they have to determine, is that real? And in a way, faith or faithfulness in our life is real because of Jesus Christ in our life. It's a reproduction of something that's actual and truthful, and that's the faith that we have if we know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of God because of that dwells in us. Faithfulness is a quality that God wants to reproduce in us through salvation that comes in Christ. And it occurs when we allow Jesus to reproduce himself in us. We, when we put on the Lord Jesus, we become transformed by his life. And I think the main concept for us in defining and understanding faithfulness is that it's the result of simply having faith and being full of faith as Christ followers in our life. And it's available. The fruit of the Spirit is available to all of us who walk by faith. And faithfulness is one of those. It's easy sometimes to define something. It can be very theoretical or almost academic, but I'd like to walk us through what it looks like and how it's demonstrated in God's Word and some principles from His Word, and I think how we can apply it to our lives today. First is this. Faithfulness is demonstrated when we trust God in difficult situations. When you and I trust God, when things are really bad, we demonstrate faith. Lamentations chapter 3 The prophet Jeremiah looked out at a disaster for the nation of Israel and the fall of Jerusalem, and he said these words, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That wasn't looking out on a really nice scene. That was looking out on a horror show of God's people being carried away And and the, the city being destroyed and families being separated and just horrible things going on and wondering when it was going to end and if it would ever be the same again. Even though Jeremiah prophesied and knew that that was coming because of the disobedience of God's people and God's ultimate plan for his nation. But it was a difficult thing to look at and a terrible thing to experience. I'm not sure... It's too different than some of the scenes you and I are watching this, we've watched this past week in Afghanistan. Can you imagine a family, can you imagine fleeing from the Taliban after you've only known the, the relative peace and stability that the United States has brought for 20 years and, and you've heard the horror stories and you know that you'd rather give your child away to an American soldier again because you know how bad it's going to be in your country? I, I can't even comprehend that. I don't think, unless some of us have lived in a war-torn country or served in the military, it's difficult for us to comprehend that. I was on the phone with my, with my mom last night, and we were talking about this hurricane. It was kind of like making a, a beeline right toward, right toward her, especially toward the, the family cottage just south of where my mom lives in Connecticut. And I said, Mom, you know what? It's really like just this little cottage, There's nothing you can do. You've locked it up. You've done everything. Go home to the house and be safe. And we both kind of said at the same time, I said, it's nothing compared to what people are going through in Afghanistan. The whole thing gets wiped out. It's just like a building. And that's it. But it's through difficult times that you and I learn to trust in God and learn to be faithful and one of the things that I've wrestled with and one of the things I think I've seen and perhaps even as a staff and any of, us, any of us who do counseling around here, it's often our first responses, maybe it's an American Christian view, is when things are going badly for us, we want out. We want an immediate change. Can you fix this? There's always a pill to fix everything today. It's just like, that's all you hear about. If this is bothering you. Get this. Take this. Take this. We're going to solve this now. It's kind of the American way. But I think sometimes, as Jeremiah's example would be, he looked at everything and he said, you know, I, I can't change any of this. This is horrible. But through all of this, God is still faithful. And I wonder if that's what's on the minds of some of the, the Christians in Afghanistan, that God is still faithful, and they probably, in their heart of hearts, desire to be faithful to the end. Sure, they want to get out if they can, but they're committed to being faithful to the call of Jesus Christ in their life. And this past year for us has been a challenge. It's been a challenge for for us as a church. It's been a challenge for you as a family. It's been challenging as far as work and what you're going to do next and how you're going to change, and it's caused sickness. It's caused a lot of mental health, anxiety-related depression things in so many people that we know that never before experienced some of this. And it's been tough. And there wasn't anything we could really change or fix. It was just like, and, and a year into this, I finally got to the point where like I, I had to stop being angry at the government and just say, I just need to be faithful and let everything fall where it's going to fall. Change what I could change, but serve God and be faithful and minister to people as best as I could. I think um, it was back in February, and good friends of ours, actually the Cal and Carol Clark are missionaries, sent from Northridge Church over 30 years ago. Cal and I are about the exact same age. They came home from Brazil because of the pandemic. They got all the missionaries out of that country. They landed back here in Rochester, and Cal and I started bike riding in the mornings. Uh, And it was May or so, and Cal said, hey, I've got an appointment. I haven't been feeling well. i got to go see the doctor and see what's going on. And a week or so later, I said, hey, it was right out here on the loop where you maybe drive through by the Welcome Center doors, and we were starting out, and I said, hey, how did it go at the doctor's? And he said, oh, because I was going to tell you at the end of the bike ride, Dave, but since you asked, now, I'll, I'll let you know. And I was like, okay, this is, this is kind of serious. And he said, I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And yeah, by the sounds in here, you know that that's not a good diagnosis. And I knew that. I, had, I had, was familiar enough with it to know that the likelihood of Cal living more than a year or two were probably pretty slim. And he fought it and did all the right treatments and everything that he could possibly do. He did not give up. The thing I remember most was his attitude. I'm gonna be faithful. I'm gonna be faithful to the end of this thing. I think sometimes I wanted to resist God's plan for his life and say, all right, there's gotta be something more you can do. Let's let's like do more exercise. And I'm like dragging him out of his bed and taking him up this huge hill on our bikes. And he's like, Dave, I can't do this anymore. So well, exercise is good for your, your pancreas. It'll kill, it'll, kill, it'll kill the cancer. Yeah, I probably said dumb stuff like that, but you know. But Cal was faithful. And God called him home at the end of June. And it kind of hits you when a guy that has almost the same birthday as you have in July, the exact same age, is called home to be with the Lord. But He was a model to me and to all of us here at Northridge who knew Cal and Carol of his faithfulness. It gets a reminder of what faithfulness looks like through difficult situations. We're also to do something else. I think another way that faithfulness is demonstrated in the Bible and how it works out in our life is you and I are called to trust God to do what only He can do, to do what only God can do. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 introduces the great faith chapter in the Bible. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see, the evidence of things not seen. And after verse 1, the rest of that, if you grew up in church, you know Hebrews 11, just name after name of people in the Bible who were faithful. From Noah, who was faithful and followed God and built an ark. From Abraham, who was faithful to the calling of God and moved his family to another country, a place he did not know. And he followed God, and from Abraham, God God grew his people. And he he went to a foreign place by faith. And Moses' parents, by faith, placed him in a basket to hide him from an evil empire in Egypt so Moses' life would be preserved. And over and over again, each one of those individuals and families were at a critical juncture in their life where they stepped out by faith. And I think part of the journey, the spiritual journey in our life, and maybe it's our westernized Christianity, is we, we think so logically and we always have everything in line and what we're going to do at a certain time. We've maybe lost what Christians seem to have in other parts of the world where they know, they have to walk by faith and trust God for what God only what God can do in their lives. And there have been times for us when we have to simply step out by faith, junctures in our life where maybe it's time to move. Maybe it's time I need to go back to school. Maybe it's time to, to do this. Maybe it's time I really need to work through this situation and trust God. Many of you in this room, in this auditorium today, were not even here in 08. That was 13 years ago, this month in August. 13 years ago, a bunch of us, a couple hundred of us stood somewhere around there. This building wasn't built. We all had shovels, and we broke the ground to build this 13 years ago. And 07 and 08, if you know a little bit about history and the economy and all that was described to be one of the worst economic periods in our history after the Great Depression. If you ran a business then, you knew things were looking bleak. You were figuring out how you could keep anyone employed, let alone expand. And we were in the middle of a capital campaign when that started to break ground in 08 to be in here in 2010, and we, we made it. It's like we had a building that was going to cost us $4.5 million, and we had 700 people that counts kids and maybe a couple dogs, I'm not sure. <laughs> and there were churches all around the country and expansion projects that put things on hold because of the projections that it's not a really good idea. This is really bad timing. But God's people committed to initially about half of that. In The next few years, the other half. We got in in 2010, and God's people were faithful, faithfully serving, faithfully giving, and all of that indebtedness was done in under, in under 10 years, even through really, really difficult times. And we figured we were on a roll, so we might as well build Salt Road during a pandemic, right? So we did that. Last year, we all got shut down, and uh, we have great timing, so probably don't come to us for financial projections, but we'll just tell you to trust God. But it's sometimes in those difficult times you say, I, I got to believe God's going to do this. I don't mean to step out and do foolish things because we think everything through and we look at it and we pray and we put numbers together and we're wise and we seek wisdom of people who know a lot more than we know. I think sometimes in our journey as individuals, just maybe need that next step of faith where we're nervous, like, I don't think I can do this, but maybe God can. Maybe God can. Maybe it's finally this year that you say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of battling, of just giving into this addiction. And I'm gonna finally get help because God can change my life finally. And you take that step. Is God urging you to do that? Do you consider? Do you look at the needs of the world and locally of so many of our younger families? They, the testimony they have to me and to my wife of them stepping into the world of, of foster care and even staff members to say, "There's these kids that no one, no one loves them, and we're to love orphans. How do we do that?" And they're wrestling with that step of faith in their life, what's next? Yeah, I turned 62 just a few weeks ago, and I get, I get those great birthday cards from pe- my friends who come here like, hey, Dave, you can collect Social Security now. I go, yeah, I, I get it, really. You know, great encouragement. No, they were, I guess they didn't want me to leave money on the table or something, but what happens when you retire? Do you retire for comfort, or do you retire and say, okay, what what does God want me to do next? Especially if you're healthier, especially if you have resources. Is God, Can God use me in the kingdom? Maybe it's here, maybe it's somewhere else for something that scares you. I think sometimes we just need to think about our life and there are a number of us that can look back and say, you know what? I've given up on a relationship but I'm going to ask God to help me restore a relationship that went bad decades ago. And you know what? You can't do it on your own but God can. You've got to take a step by faith and ask God for help. And there's all kinds of other things where on our journey, God says, hey, it's time to take this step by faith, this direction, and trust God for it. And then, thirdly, faithfulness is also demonstrated when we trust God through lifelong serving. I think this third one is something every one of us can relate to. When we trust God through just the long haul of life, lifelong serving of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three of the four Gospels, Jesus talks about the parable of the faithful servant. And each one is a little bit different. I'm not going to read any of those two. They're a little lengthy. But in a nutshell, with the parable of the faithful servant, you're probably familiar with them. A homeowner, a landowner, uh, an, an owner of an estate leaves his property and his possessions in, uh, under the care Of his servants Uh, from the days of jesus that was very very common in that culture and he was traveling and he would leave everything he had under their care he had confidence that they would do the right thing and in those cases they're not told when he's going to return they have some responsibilities to carry out according to what he's given them to do what their gifts are and their abilities and they're to simply carry out their work faithfully and in one in mark one of the servants is told to keep watch and not to go to sleep because you don't know when your Lord, when the owner is going to return. There are rewards in some of those parables. There are punishments for lack of service in one of those. And in all things, the servant always wanted to hear from the owner, well done, good and faithful servant. And Paul knew in, in, in the letter to the church at Corinth, the Apostle Paul said it's required among servants, among stewards, that a man be found faithful. I think the third part of understanding this faithfulness is relatable to each one of us. It wasn't just 07 and 08, and this building here, it wasn't just Salt Road, but further back in the, the history of Northridge, we have a building that still sits on, it's not our building anymore, but going back, not the century of 2000, but 1900. There's a building on Avenue A in Clinton, it was the first property that a group of believers committed to Christ purchased and served God faithfully there through the 30s. And then this property was purchased, and a group of believers met in, if you're here at the Rochester campus in what is the student ministry center, a brick building across the parking lot. And a group of faithful people, and some of them are still around, that remembers when we, in 1961, and one of the guys that's almost 90, said to me this week, he said, I was talking to him about that. I said, you were here, right? And he goes, yeah. He goes, we had to come up with $200,000. <laughs> I go, man, we got a great deal. We got ripped off, you know, on this building. $200,000. But for them, in that day and age, 60 years ago, that was, that, was monst- that, was, that was a monster price tag. But they did it, and 10 years later, they expanded and then we come up to the, the last decade or so of God's faithfulness, faithfulness to us. And my blessing in life and my privilege and when Drew talked to me about this, he said, you know, I, I've gotten to walk alongside faithful people from multiple generations now. Many who have gone home to be with the Lord. Many who are still here faithfully serving. And throughout Northridge and our campus here and online and at, on Salt Road, there's faithful servants All ages. There's a Joe, there's a Sandy and a Bill and a Steve, and there's a Fred, there's a Kelly and a Carissa, there's a Marilyn and a Mel, there's another Dave, not me. There's a Jack and a June and a Lois and a Bob who's almost 90, and a Gary who served in kids' ministry for 15 years faithfully and can't get out of his house now due to an illness. And he calls me this week and says, Dave, how are you doing? And I'm like, why is he calling me and asking me how I'm doing? I'm, I'm in great shape. He's, he's the one struggling, but he was concerned about me. And Nan and Mark and Will and Drew and Andy and Brian and Ed and Rich and Al and my list could go on and on. Some have painted almost every square foot of this building. Some live in the nursery, it seems like they're always there. I don't know if they sleep there at night. Um, I'm not sure. The team that has been responsible for our finances long before I got here still faithfully serves to see that we do things right and we honor God and please God. And we, when we entrust our giving to our church, they want to make sure everything is taken care of very, very well. And so they are faithful. And some of you are part of that and your names aren't mentioned. And some of you, I, I don't know, and you serve faithfully. And you love it because you're serving according to the gifts that God has given to you. There's one individual that I had the blessing in my life. To know him as a friend, and it happened early on in my time here because you, everyone knew Howard Statler. Howard Statler was well retired when I got here. Howard Statler um, was a World War II veteran. He served in the Pacific. He was on a ship, and he was told while he was he came down with pneumonia that badly that he was told to write home, let them know you probably are going to get buried at sea. He survived. He survived an attack. At some point in his life, he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, turned the trajectory of his life around as a Navy World War II veteran. Howard came home and moved from Johnstown, Pennsylvania to Rochester, New York after World War II was over for a job at Eastman Kodak, like many of his generation and Howard was here. He joined our church long, long before I got here. And he was faithfully serving when I arrived. He taught junior high boys for some 40-something years. A couple of guys corrected me this morning. They said, Dave, it was a lot longer than what you said earlier. So it was long. The guy that told me was 61, and he said he had him in junior high. So anyway, it goes, it's a long time, trust me. But Howard was leaving a heritage of faith in the next generation, the next generation and teaching those kids about what it was to follow Jesus Christ through the Depression and through a war and faithfully just living out what it means to serve and to be faithful. Howard spent his retirement, when he retired, he spent one day a week at the Monroe County Jail. I don't know if he hardly ever missed that either. It was usually Tuesdays because then they graded Bible lessons on Wednesdays. But Tuesday, he would be down there at the Monroe County Jail, the old jail, just doing Bible studies with the inmates. And a lot of those guys would end up coming out to church when they got out, and they'd, they'd meet me, and they were looking for Howard. And I always want to find Howard. And I would take those guys who just got out of jail to the junior high boys class. See, those were great days. You didn't have to worry about background checks or anything. It was good. <laughs> just took them in there, and Howard would introduce to hey, this guy came to Christ. In the jail, he'd give the guy a hug and try to help him on his way and take the next step in his life. It was amazing his level of faithfulness to his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When God called Howard home in 2008, the same summer that we broke ground on this building, Howard had made, Howard made sure that he left in his will pretty much whatever he had came to the ministries he loved whether it was the Navigators that discipled him through his Navy days, the Good News Prison Ministry, Northridge Church, um, there were a few hundred thousand dollars that were given to the ministries that Howard wanted to see prosper after he left this earth. And Howard's an example of steady faithfulness, just little by little, step by step, that faithfulness doesn't happen just like this. It happens over time, and it can happen for all of us. My dad, the last couple months of his life, I made more trips there to visit him. As he was getting ready to go home to be with the Lord, we had hospice in the house at, and my mom taking care of him and, and other help. And my dad still stayed connected with us. He maybe had three or four Marine friends, who, Marine buddies who were still alive. And he even had a guy who lived in Waterloo that my dad sent his friend Angelo from Waterloo, New York, to come up here to visit me. Because uh, he, he, he thought I would want to meet one of his buddies my dad stayed connected, and they would often finish their conversation Semper Fi. Most of us will never be Marines, or we will not serve as Marines, and we won't have the privilege of the honor of being able to say Semper Fi to each other. I'll just be the kid of a Marine War veteran. But you know what? Our calling is even greater than that, because as Christ followers, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord, Savior, the leader of your life, this is given testimony today by that baptism then you can live out a faithful life because Jesus Christ is in you and the Spirit of God is in you and you can live out the fruit of the Spirit in your life and one of those is faithfulness. And it's not something that we have to have certain gifts and abilities to do. We just need to be faithful. And then we can respond to that higher calling of God in our life and you know what? All around us, we have a team and a group that we're all connected because, wow, we all have faith. We're full of faith and we can live out faithfulness the calling of God upon our lives. I Trust that in some small way. I've been able to encourage you today and challenge you. I want to be faithful. I know our church wants to be faithful. I trust that we can be faithful because of Jesus Christ in our lives as we follow him day by day, week by week, month by month, for as long as he gives us to live out our life. Let me pray. God, you are, you are faithful to us. I know your word says our Redeemer is faithful and true. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that because of your grace that we can know you, we can walk with you through this life, we can experience forgiveness for whatever we've done. We can be part of your family, part of your family in the world and your family in this place. So we give you thanks. God, help us to be faithful, to live out, semper Fi as followers of Christ in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.